Welcome to the Big Fat Gay Podcast, where we talk about the things that are weighing on our minds. My name is Dan Oliverio. I'm an author, public speaker, and chubby chaser. And we are all COVID boys today. Yes. We are our post Bigger Vegas. Welcome uh, to our official COVID we, episode. We had an amazing time at Bigger Vegas, and we all got COVID. Then we all get COVID. Basically, everybody <laughs> did. Yeah. Uh, but we're we've all tested negative, and yeah. uh, but you can probably hear in my voice at least. Uh, <laughs> negative does not mean symptom free. Yeah. yeah. So we've actually spent a large portion of the morning preparing to choreograph our coughing so that it can be yes. edited out as best as possible. It's balletic. Listen to this, everybody. I just edited out ten coughs. See how great that was? <laughs> Genius. <laughs> I'm Trevor Kizan. I'm a super chub. I am back here in West Hollywood on the couch in my pajamas. And I, I also had COVID. I just yeah, yeah. negative. I lost my sense of smell briefly, <laughs> but it's back, baby. It's back and kicking. <laughs> he, really he, re- <laughs> he really smells now. He really smells now. My name is Michael. I am a chaser. And today I am, does it, did anyone else feel like trash when they got COVID? Like I'm just a trash, like it, it, I felt yes. dirty. I felt like it like, was a moral failing on my part. That, that's me right yes. now. Really? I, yes. I got guilt. I got COVID guilt. So today I am a COVID guilty boy. Um, I, I, I can't explain it. I am yeah. largely guilt-free. So no, I, yeah. yeah, I didn't have that, but I do. Now when I see pictures of people at like events, I'm like disgusting filth. Disgusting. <laughs> How could you? I, I have to admit through this entire week, all I can think is the uh, Futurama quote of that woman who just gets turned on by Bender being the dirty boy. Dirty boy, dirty, dirty boy. <laughs> yeah, that's that's us. Hi, my name is Don. I'm a big chubby guy living here in Hollywood. And today I am a snotty, snotty boy. I'm just going to stick with the theme. Oh, yes. Uh, uh, but here we are. We're actually, I feel pretty good. I mean, it's just like those lingering cough symptoms yeah. and brain fog. I didn't get it at all during the main thrust of things, but then like two weeks later, I'm like, Bleh. I am very grateful for the vaccine. I am very grateful that we were all boosted and able. Yeah, the and experience have of COVID things. for all of us has been much less than some of the experiences I've heard about from people who were not <laughs> Trevor. vaccinated. I have some uh, ASMR going on. Here. <laughs> everybody, everybody sip. Everybody together, sip. Okay, ASMR time. And go. Oh, yeah, baby. That is our hot tea. All of us have a lovely Dan provided tea this morning. Oh, um, boy. Because my, my tea is the hottest. We <laughs> hot, steamy, wet tea. Yes, yeah, so enough COVID talk. We, we, we're not here to talk about COVID. We're here to talk about fat things. The, the oh, fun the fat things. fattest. The fattest. <laughs> so as we've mentioned, we've just gotten back from Vicar Vegas, and we have more observations to share with all yeah. of you. But first... What's going on in the world, Trevor? News on the fat march. We are starting off with an article from Ebony about Jeff Jenkins and his, uh, I think a lot of our uh, listeners probably follow him on Instagram. He's the Chubby Diaries. Mm-hmm. He does a lot of kind of travel blogging stuff. And he has a new show coming out on Net Geo, Net Geo and Disney Plus. Oh, so th- this is a new really? travel show. It's him going all around the world as a big, fat, gay black man. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's not oh, gay. Yeah, I'm sorry, he's, he's not, not gay. gay. <laughs> <laughs> I was just used to saying big, fat, gay. Yeah. It sounded <laughs> hopeful when you said it. Well, and you know, I wouldn't mind. Um, no, he's very handsome. And um, so, it, yeah, so he's he's going to parts of the world and... All uh, over the place. And New Zealand. And, yeah. I feel and like doing that's things. an essential thing for... When I travel as a fat person internationally... 
the way people react to me is different than they do to a normal oh, person. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Yeah, I hate saying that word. I didn't mean it. Normal person, but. Straight size. Normie. Yeah. Basic. Basic size. <laughs> yeah, basic size. I like that. But like, uh, so like this was not international travel. This was here in LA, but I spent a period of time where I was working on a set with a huge number of uh, Asian people, not Asian Americans, Asian immigrants, who many of which who didn't speak English. And for two weeks, every day, at least one person would walk up to me, put his stand hand on my stomach and start rubbing and say, so big. <sighs> it's <laughs> very so, big. Like this, you, I, the, but it wasn't, the, it wasn't like an American doing well, yeah, it, but like, like the, disgust. It was just like, well, wow. So, but like the lack of like respect for uh, personal space. Like that seems, which is, yeah, you would, well, you know, at least in Europe, they have the good taste to simply stare at you. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> I don't know. Coming, coming off bigger Vegas. <laughs> well, true. Uh, that's a little, I different. think there was a we'll lot get to of that later. There's a lot but, of belly rubbing. Yeah. Watching someone of a larger size travel might not be just, you know, helpful for bigger people, but a very direct way for normies to see how it is for us to be traveled. And well, and you know, the interview was in Ebony magazine. And mm-hmm. so he also makes the point that this isn't just about fat representation. It's all about also about black representation mm-hmm. because you see so few like, you know, black men traveling the world. That's, that's not a thing yet. Yeah. Uh, you know, in the media. So his show is, is I think they just wrapped production. Um, they're still currently editing. It's supposed to air in 2023. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, keep an eye on it. It's, it's currently untitled. I think they're still coming up with all of the branding and that stuff, but I mean, if they, if, they should do the chubby diaries. The chubby diaries. I mean, I mean, the branding is already made. Like, and his yeah. audience will recognize it, it just, instantly. Well, it doesn't say travel in that brand, but yeah, fair. I mean, the chubby diaries colon <laughs> travel. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know on the road. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. I feel like there's a lot of ways to do it. Um, but I mean, he, it, it's put like a it's the chubby the, the logo is the chubby diaries, and then there's a plane that comes around the back and goes. Mm-hmm. Oh, like around the, the globe. Yeah. yeah. Is it a very chubby plane? I hope it's a chubby yeah. plane. Isn't that the Nat Geo logo anyway? Like the no, that's, I think that's the Amazon logo. He does mention our, our, our fan favorite or podcast favorite, uh, Southwest airlines for yes. their customer of size policy. Mm-hmm. Um, which, you know, the airline itself, they're, they're hit or miss, you know, you kind of have to get lucky, but their customer of size policy is impossible to beat. Impossible. You get a free extra yeah. seat. They, right they got my business again. Yeah. You know, Pro- I, I was boycotting them for years, but. Yeah. Promo code uh, big fat gay. <laughs> big fat gay. <laughs> um, yeah. We have to get that sponsorship deal. When's that going to happen? Um, I don't know. I'm thinking uh, Big Fig. Big, big Fig, fig if is you so, listening. Their ads, I, I, bought I their, like I freaking bought their mattress. I will attest to the joy and satisfaction. Yeah, keep in mind, right. I haven't even gotten an endorsement deal yet. I love my mattress. All right, oh, everyone, uh, listeners out there, anyone who has connections into the world of advertising or specifically Big Fig Mattress, hook us up because... We would we would preach them from the rooftops. Hell, Winston Box. I, I keep getting your ads, and I want some new clothes. So <laughs> send me some swag. Um, but yeah, so he. He's well, I doing- mean, I th- hold on. I think Don just gave us a perfect segue <laughs> for our next topic. He's like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don is looking for you know some swag, some clothes, and there was uh. a lovely feature of Ad Bryant talking about finding her style through dressing up as other people. In so, Vogue. I was just going to say, can we just acknowledge for a minute that A.D. Bryant is in Vogue talking about her sense, her evolving sense of style. Mm-hmm. And the point of view of the, of the headline, at least, and to the most extent the article, is that, you know, as a fat person, she, when she started the show, you know, it was basically about, well, you know, she brought in her own wardrobe because she just started. And it was just, well, whatever she could wear. 
Yeah. And then she started- And a lot of times what she sort of tailored for herself. Mm. Well, well, a little bit, but then that's when the show started. And there's this wonderful thing about how they gave her this amazing couture outfit because they took two size 12s, sewed them together and created panels. Mm -hmm. And and then she talks about how, you know, people would go be like, oh my God, where can I get that dress? And she says, well, I'm sorry, you can't. Doesn't it's Frankenstein. <laughs> it's yeah. Frankenstein together. Yeah. It's amazing that we can actually get good clothes for big people when someone actually puts some thought into them. Well, and, and she acknowledges that, that, you know, the, the wardrobe uh, department never, never said boo they, about having to do more work for her than someone else. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And I would say, I mean, a friend of mine works in wardrobe um, for a lot of commercials and movies and, and shows. And I think there's a lot of very sort of standard kind of expected practices with like straight size people where I think it might get a little boring. Um, mm -hmm. And so I think there's a novelty to somebody working in wardrobe as far as like the challenge of of dressing somebody where you have to come up with creative solutions. Yeah, because most designers in media are in some way, in some capacity, problem solvers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Whether you're a director, a costume designer, you know, even, I mean, even a script supervisor. Keep in mind, I'm talking going back like 20 or 15 years, but when I was acting, I think every role I did on television, I had to costume myself. Because they didn't have They anything. didn't have oh, wow. anything. Like, well, uh, yeah. I, I appeared on 24 right? It's season three, you keep blinking, you'll miss me. <laughs> um, but like, I'm on goddamn 24. Um, and I, I, to the point where I, I, I didn't get, my line got cut, but I do get killed. Nice. Uh, <laughs> but I still had to costume myself for 24. Like Jesus. it's insane. You know, so die. it's it's nice to hear that at least we've come that far where they will provide her with clothing and she's not expected to dive into her own closet to figure out. Well, what and this, I for. think is the second or third interview we've talked about, we've referenced where the 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 subject of the interview has referenced the fact that it's so much better now. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, it's not solved by any means, but it's so much better now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, it's also cool to see like not just her style evolving, but also the way because you know she's a writer and an actress on the show, a performer, and so she got to a lot of times write her own roles. But what would happen? She would say is like the first few years on the show the roles that were being written for her were very sort of expected kind of like either cute or motherly sort of like, um, non -sexual. You know, prim and proper non-sexual. Mm -hmm. And then like she got to kind of start writing her own narrative and making more sexual or liberated characters like A.D. Bizzo mm -hmm. and A.D. B., which AD, the ADB parody did air. The AD Bizzo one did not, but it's on YouTube. It's so <gasps> you must go watch it. It's so, so Don, all right, Don, you haven't seen it. Well, at the end of this episode, we're all going to watch it together. <laughs> it's very funny. Um, she's awesome, but it's, it's about her finding her own liberation. She's playing herself in those sketches, but she wrote them too. And so as the other writers kind of saw her writing about herself that way, it gave them freedom to then also write parts like that for her. And it all ties together with the clothes as well. And you get to see that evolution. Yeah. And I mean, I can definitely see if you're a straight size writer and you're writing for A.D. Bryant, you don't want to write a sexual role and imply that, oh, that's the joke. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so, and, and so it's a real, it, it's, um, it's really great that she's writing that she's in control of it. She can decide what she wants. I wonder too, you know, so often because we think that the opposite of sex is fat, I wonder how, I wonder if she were a different sort of person, if she would be writing these very sexual roles for herself if it weren't for the fact that fat oppression sort of condemns fat people to asexuality or no sexuality. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And therefore the, f and therefore the impetus is to, is to push that push against that because it might in some ways be the most oppressive in terms of media. 
I mean, there's other things you can encounter out in the world that are pretty nasty. But like, if you're a fat performer, you're sort of given these mom roles or the dumb role mm-hmm. or the glutton role. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if that was her way of pushing back at the, at the sharpest barb. Mm-hmm. I could certainly see that. And she, she talks about too, like now after having done shrill and a lot of the work she's done in SNL, like being a bit of a fat liberation icon and like having people looked up, look up to her. And if she feels any pressure about that and she, she says she kind of does and, and not in a bad way, but she is conscious of, for instance, taking roles or not taking roles, depending on how they're written. Um, she gives the example of, you know, say there's a girl who or a young woman who you know doesn't date and she that's her life and she gets offered the role to audition for it and she's like I won't take that role because it, when I take that role it's the fat girl exactly. who cannot date. See if if Tina Fey takes that role it's just sort of the nerd girl not getting a date and she has the transformation but mm-hmm. if the fat girl takes that role it's a comment about fat people. Mm-hmm. I just really admire her for having being aware of that but also not letting it um totally drive her, her way of interacting with her audience and her own content. I love that she also acknowledged in, in the sort of like, you know, people look up to you, is that hard for you? And she says, yes, but she, because she also says that she remembers when she was growing up looking at people like Queen Latifah mm-hmm. and who's the other, uh, Rosie O'Donnell, Rosie O'Donnell yeah. as like, that's where she could be in media. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Um, anyway, so AD, we're always happy to see her. She's in Vogue. They have a lot of the um, pictures from her and her various SNL garbs. She does also say which of her uh, outfits on SNL are her favorites. Mm. And there's there's a variety in there. There's some of them that have that very sort of high fashion vibe that um, the trend, the trend, trend forecast. Yeah, the trend forecaster. I, yes, I love that outfit. And specifically because she talks about the little hat. That's mm. part of it. And she it's calls such, it the stupid little hat. Yes. <laughs> well, because it is. It's the perfect. It's like such a perfect take on like. <laughs> super high fashion, but it's like, it looks stupid, but also good at the same time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There is a picture of it in this article as well. Yeah. It's uh, conspicuously fashionable. Oh, yes. Mrs. Claus was the other one, which I thought was interesting. And yeah. It's because of the, she says, cause it was a like vintage lace. I didn't realize how much they put into the costumes on SNL, given that they have like oh, yeah. a week to put together. Well, but a they're show. also, the costume has to be right because so often they're impersonating or satirizing mm-hmm. and it, yeah. and what, and so it has to be recognizable like in a second. Mm-hmm. Mm. There's a picture of her as Elton John, which I hadn't seen the sketch before, but as soon as I scrolled to the picture, I was like, Oh, that's Elton John, that's Elton John. even though it's 80 Bryant, yeah. but because of the costume, it's the haircut and, mm-hmm. the, and the jacket and the glasses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, as she says in the article, actually that something she wore a lot of doing SNL was suits and that she never liked suits, but now like mm-hmm. it's a staple in her wardrobe. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Well, Oh, I think it's time. Hold on. Hold on. So, so when we did the live episode, this was extremely loud. It's Scooty flying. Wow. <laughs> it's here. Once again, soaring into the atmosphere and, and, and hopefully not blasting anybody's yeah. eardrums <laughs> like great. it did in the live episode. <laughs> it's funny, you know, we hear this show when we do it through our headphones, um, but when you do it live with a bunch of speakers in a giant room... Holy crap. It's a very different experience. I'm surprised we didn't knock out a window. Oh my God, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I, I'm sorry, that was just my experience of going to any movie. <laughs> it's so damn loud. Poor Dan. Poor Dan in his sensitive ears. It's loud. All right, so what do we got for... Well, for now that you're... Your ears have recovered from the THX blast <laughs> of Fat Watch. The audience is now. We have a, <laughs> an interview with 
Borlord, uh, who we have, we've talked about them on the podcast before. Um, they wrote the article we featured about fat video game characters way back oh, when. Oh, I didn't realize that. Cool. And this was an interview with Gay Men's Sexual Health Alliance, which is a, a Canadian organization. And they invited Borlord to talk about their sex work and kind of mm-hmm. that as part of their identity, the stigma around that, the the self-love around that. Um, and it's a really great little uh, short, bite-sized interview. Mm-hmm. Um, on Instagram. Yes, on Instagram. It's really well produced. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it covers a lot. And I just really loved it, especially because um, when they talk about just fat pleasure and self-love mm-hmm. and joy, and I'm just curious what everyone else. And, and the reality, I mean, the thing that was, that was interesting for me was that they talked about their experience going from essentially being a, a blogger yeah. and a writer, it, moving into um, sex work. Mm-hmm. And and transitioning that to their their career essentially, and I was really curious about like doing that and like how how that affects their life, and like they talk about it, like mm-hmm. and you get some of those details. It's like yes, I I did lose some friends over this, and but also like like Trevor was saying, like the ability to kind of give people joy, and it's a very enlightened perspective. And they talk about you know letting go of the idea of masculinity is also incredibly liberating, and it just felt very I don't know. It's a kind of, it, it just felt very liberating. It felt like what it's meant to represent, mm-hmm. which is, you know, fat liberation. Yeah. And I mean, you can definitely see why they have a following. It's, mm-hmm. it's so charismatic, so intimate, curvaceous, and just, just lovely. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's interesting. Um, so when they talk about losing, like losing people in their life because of this career change. Because they do sex work. And I oh. think I have conversations with people a lot about, this with kind of either chasers or chubs Mm. being afraid of losing people in their life by embracing kind of either coming out as fat or coming out as a chaser. And my thing is always like, I mean, if they're gonna like, why are they in your life in the first place? Yeah. It's really like if they're going to cut you out of your life because of who you are, because part of your identity that's important to you, maybe you don't need them in your lives. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a very true sentiment and it's also, you know, that degree of change is hard to just like yeah. summon upon yourself. Like it's to, 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 to make a statement and to, you know, um, churn up the waters of, of, you know, uh, God, COVID brain. Um, anyway, to, to the make waters. that kind of, yes, the waters <laughs> to make that kind of a statement is, uh, very difficult. But mm-hmm. I think the point is that with that degree of difficulty, it is also that much more liberating. I would also add that in my work with people, what I find is that the people who are afraid, like, but, but you know, what if, what if everybody shuns me? What if I'll be abandoned? That usually isn't really coming from outside. That is actually one's own self judgment mm-hmm. that one is, I should say, giving energy to in the outside world. Yeah. So that it's, it's something that you actually believe is already true about yourself. It's not that you're afraid that other people are going to judge you. It's that you already judge yourself and you're going to find evidence for that out in the world. And yeah, you will. That's actually a pretty decent segue into our, our main topic, it at is. least for me, um, which is kind of looking back on the experience of, of Bigger Vegas now that we were a couple weeks removed. Um, a lot of things have happened. If you guys have heard the, the live episode, um, you'll hear a lot of our experiences, both of the event up to that point and what we wanted to do. Um, and a lot of it is is those very 
typical aspects of like dealing with public perception and dealing with your own insecurities and body and, image and body image and all mm -hmm. that good stuff. And, and I think we have, I, I certainly have some, some wrap up thoughts. Um, I can go first if you guys want. Yeah. Go, um, go Michael. I mean, so previously on the big fat game, <laughs> <laughs> Michael had not gone to the pool. That's right. Um, and there was a lot of anxiety around it and which was a really useful discussion point in that it opens it up for all the chasers in the room there. And oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Really ha hammering at home that this is not a unique situation just to chubby guys or just to Michael. Mm -hmm. you know? Um, yeah, which was a very, um, I don't want to say cool experience, but just very novel experience. Like there aren't a whole lot of opportunities in life to, to stand up in front of people and say, this is the thing that makes me feel you know, vulnerable and then to have a bunch of people kind of echo back that sort of relatability or at least sympathy, empathy. It, it was, it was interesting. It, may, it also made me feel very watched. Um, <laughs> of course, which, you know, like that's kind of part and parcel for doing something like this. Um, but I realized that I, I hadn't fully grokked what the issue was for me. Like I was explaining it as, you know, being very uncomfortable, like taking my shirt off and going in the pool and kind of embracing that world. Um, and not wanting to like go into the makeout pool, you know, which I realized later, by the way, I realized way too late in the event that there was a separate pool <laughs> that was the quiet pool mm -hmm. that you could go in and it's a lap pool. It didn't have stairs. Um, it just had the step ladder, which was a little difficult for, for Michael, but you know, we made it work. Um, but I realized that specifically the issue I was coming across was not quite. So Don, you had described like going to the pool as a liberating experience because you finally got to quiet the voices in your head and yeah. feel like the eyes weren't actually on you, making you feel self-conscious. Mm -hmm. And that is similar, but not actually what I was dealing with. And I, I didn't realize it at the time. And, and in editing the, the episode, I actually kind of crystallized for myself that it was very specifically not wanting to go into the pool and have an experience of being objectified. Mm. That mm. very specifically was what I was avoiding or wanting to avoid, um, which was made very easy to do by going in with a group of friends and just having people around me that I could talk to and engage with. And I knew that that would be a safe space in and of itself rather than going in by myself and basically inviting what may come and then having to kind of hope that that didn't go that direction. Cause that's ultimately not why I was at the event. Um, that makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. And that very, like that was the specific, like that was the extra step that I kind of, I kind of walked up to it during the live episode and I didn't quite realize what I was trying to say. Um, but we did go to the pool. We did it. And the big I think, pool. yeah, to the big pool, the big to, sexy the, pool. to the real pool. Um, it, granted it was while everybody, it was the, the music was off and it was while everybody was at the club on Friday night. Yeah. Um, but that, that only meant there were a hundred people yeah. instead of yeah. 600 Rather people. than 7,000 people <laughs> crammed in. No, seriously. When everybody was at the club, that just meant that there were only a hundred people at the pool. Yeah. It was a very nice time to be in the pool. It, it was, was a great, it was a really great time to do it. Um, you know, I, I wore my Patrick Allenwood bathing suit. Um, got Michael in. looked very good in his, <laughs> I, part of me was tempted to like, cause we were texting to meet, like we we're trying to meet, meet mm -hmm. at the pool and I wanted to get like Michael's arrival <laughs> at the pool and like going into the pool as a Patreon video. Maybe I'm glad you didn't do yeah. that. <laughs> I think that would have brought the fears you just described alive. Like, yeah, that, that wouldn't have been great. In fact, that did happen to me. Um, later in the evening, um, I got out of the pool temporarily and there was, I, 
I don't know exactly what was going on, but as soon as I started walking toward the stairs, there was a fellow who was sitting at the top of the stairs out of the pool um, who pulled out his phone and started recording yeah. something aimed at my direction. I can't, couldn't possibly say mm-hmm. if it was me or somebody else, but like I felt very unconscious, very self-conscious about that moment. Um, I, I actually had a very uncomfortable moment in the pool that evening where we were all at the pool. And so like Dan and I came to the pool and then you guys came to the pool and I was in the pool before Dan and I just feel some arms come around me. Oh boy. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought it was Dan and I turn around excited and it's some stranger. Ah, Um, not even somebody you had met before. No. Oh my God. See that. Yep. That's well, but I mean (laughs) at, at clubs, at pools, things get a little handsy. Yeah, and that's. But I, I don't. Want I almost that. <laughs> think it would have been different if it was like someone you knew, someone I knew, or even. I mean, it would have been completely different if it was someone I knew because it would be, it would not be you know me expecting my husband and seeing some stranger. <laughs> yeah. Or if it was like I don't know when it was like there were seven thousand people in the pool mm-hmm. where it's just like bodies, bodies, bodies. Mm, like yeah. I think it was the empty. You know, we're in an emptyish pool, and then there's just something like hands. Grabbing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, can we also talk about the, uh, the riptide? Oh yeah. <laughs> <In the pool? laughs> that was a the very novel experience. You oh, didn't yeah. see this? Yeah. For chasers, this oh, is no. a thing. And it's not just no. for chasers. I have a story for you. No, that's true. That's true. I'm just saying that chasers find it, you know, if you, if hot. you are standing in an area of the pool where a lot of people are moving through, like th- there's sort of a choke point or like a, uh, there's a pass, you know, and like if you're on either side of the pass by the walls of the pool, anybody going through the center to get from one larger area to the other, particularly the chubs or super chubs, as they move through, mm-hmm. they create a wake. And this <laughs> wake is like a riptide. And it is, I, when I heard about it, our chaser friend I'm just Kevin, picturing you getting swept out to the middle of the no, pool. No, that's exactly what happened. happened. No, that, is, that is literally, that is not an exaggeration. <laughs> and our chaser friend Kevin told me about it and I kind of laughed at him like, oh, haha, because he's kind of like short and small. And it's like, okay, well, you know, whatever. And then later that evening when we were in the pool, I was there with my partner, Michael, who was super chub size, and he got fully swept away and had to grab yeah. onto somebody. Well, the more boy you are, the more effect it has. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, and then it happened to me later and I had to grab on. Now, granted, if anybody saw me in the pool that night, I did, uh, I don't do this often, but I did take an edible and uh, I asked them for the weakest one they have. Oh, boy. <laughs> and it may have been the weakest one, but I was very, very high. Um, so I still, I couldn't tell whether or not I was standing up straight anyway. <laughs> and so like when I got started getting swept away, I was like, oh, wait, is this really happening? And then I looked at the horizon and the horizon was sideways. And I was like, no, <laughs> like grabbed onto Michael. And yeah, it was, it was novel. I could see that being fun and interesting, but I was actually talking to someone at the time. I was like, no, wait, I got to get back to my conversation. Michael, Michael, you got to go with the flow, man. Yeah, literally, <laughs> literally the flow. Have you ever swept anyone away, Trevor? Oh yeah. <laughs> I've been swept away. It's, uh, <laughs> how do you think we got married? You learn, <laughs> you learn to, uh, to swim those, those waters, those those uh, choppy waters, those choppy waters, the, the dangerous sea. I just had that, uh, that Saturday, before uh, everyone came back and the music started. Um, that was just a lovely evening in the pool. I reconnected with some people, mm-hmm. made some new friends, saw some people making out, <laughs> which like, it was like, I feel like it was the appropriate amount of people. Yeah. Sunday night. I did. I like went by the pool and it was just like 
wall to wall bodies. No, there were times you you could walk across the pool. There were so many bodies in there. No. Yeah. <laughs> On top of them. That's what I mean. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I will say the highlight was doing the live episode. Like that was, we haven't really had a chance to talk to anyone on the podcast, like no. in review of that I mean, moment. this was the first that chance was most of us have talked to fans in person. Mm-hmm. Um, or even in, just vocally. In, in, on Moss. Mm-hmm. Like that you wasn't know? like a chat or an email. Yeah. Um, that was f- just the most memorable moment maybe of this year. And that's coming off of having just done Disney Pride in concert with Boston <laughs> Gaming, <laughs> literally coming right off of that the previous weekend. And do the live episode course. <laughs> exactly. So you guys, while you guys were at the pool, I went to the club, right? Oh. Um, and one, that club was spectacular. Yeah. It was at the Palms Casino, but I don't know what the name of the club itself was. Uh, but it was surrounded by these enormous LED screens. Mm. They had this older chubby DJ who was amazing. And they had videoed, they had videoed him doing sort of like dorky dances <laughs> that they would then project up on the LED screens in all directions. So it's like he's doing these sort of grandpa dances with you <laughs> oh, during the club. It was sort of a more intense version of the pool. Oh, right. God. Oh, God. Um, well, because it's really a club. Yeah. yeah, it's really a club. And there are people that are sweaty rubbing up against each other on mm-hmm. the floor and you're barely able to move. Um, but the reason why I bring this up is one, the experience was it's the most fun I've ever had at a club, right? Mm. And it's the first time I went to a club and felt like not only was I welcome, but like me being there was a good thing for other people. Well, because it was made for you, yeah. you know, and and that's very clear. I've ever felt that. Yeah. But uh, the reason why I bring it up is because again, talking about fan interactions, I told Dan about this, but I don't think I got to tell either the two of you, but two of you about this, as I was leaving the club, um, a fan grabbed my arm, right? Um, and sort of hauled me down to him and hauled him up to me. It was sort of a halfway. Uh, both of us were a little bit drunk mm. and I couldn't hear entirely what he was saying over the podcast, oh, over the podcast, <laughs> <laughs> over the music, but he pulls me in close and he goes, I love you guys so much. <laughs> like, oh, I went to the podcast and I had to leave early, but I wanted to hug all of you. And I didn't get you. Can I hug you? And he hugs me. And then he said something in my ear while he was hugging me. And I wasn't sure if it was, I think you saved my life or I think you changed my life. It was something like that. Mm. And then he says, can I kiss you please? <laughs> and I'm like, I, you can't say no to that. And I can't say how touched I was by that sort of visceral interaction, but being awkward me, all I could think was like, I I don't know how to say thank you right now. I'm just going to offer you the drink ticket I didn't use. Because <laughs> <laughs> the only thing I could think of to say thank you, I, I, did, I didn't mm-hmm. know oh, what that, to do. That's really sweet. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was a surprisingly intense level of interactions with some of the fans. So yeah. Thank you for that. And uh, if if the listener who said that to me in the club uh, is listening today, thank you very much for that. That is a treasured memory for me. Hmm. Oh, my God. I, I didn't talk about this at the live show, even though. So those of you who were at the live show or watched the, the Patreon exclusive live stream, mm-hmm. um, I had a little... Oh. rubber toy oh yeah oh, that was me, the best toy which was a gift from a listener oh yeah and it was a little sumo centaur i wish i, I 
brought him over to the couch so I could squeeze him into the mic because he makes these little, it's like a little squeaky. Yeah, and this listener, sumo centaur. He all, you know, he also brought us cookies from from. I got where a couple of t-shirts that I have to. I, I like they're, yeah. Th- I we were just so grateful, mm-hmm. so I, grateful, so I was touched. I it's. I would say on the on on the on a very human level, it's a very strange experience to to kind of walk into a room and and have that instantaneous level of connection with people. Oh, you get used to it, Mike. But but I didn't mind. <laughs> I like, like I didn't mind. It was because it was also very cool because we were already in a space at an event in a place that was sort of secretly for us in the community mm-hmm. that you it, it felt like that was the appropriate place for it. I think if I had come across that degree of interaction randomly out in the wild, I might have been a little more kind of like thrown. Again, not in a bad way, but just like surprise like this is not a how to put this i don't see myself as somebody that people will recognize and so walking into that kind of experience was very startling mm. but once you kind of go through that i think very human reaction having those conversations with people who have listened to our voices for two and a half years was amazing mm-hmm. and and really affirming and energizing like i feel so energized to like keep doing the show i think we were maybe approaching a degree of like wanting to get to the live episode because that's kind of what we were going toward. And so like doing the live episode was so energizing and not because we got to do an episode in front of people, but because we got to meet people mm-hmm. and like, and talk yeah. to them. And it, you know, if you haven't heard the live episode episode yet, a lot of it, a hu- maybe a third of it is talking with people and hearing their stories. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, something that I, I, I'm sure the average listener doesn't consider is like, we do this, especially during COVID, we do this podcast very much in a vacuum, right? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. we send this out into the world and the, the way we find out if it's making any effect on anyone's lives or from the emails we get from listeners, the occasional reviews we get on things that's the main form of interaction that I see with the podcast. So and it's all in text form. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, even if you write something very personal, which we will take that way, it still has that degree of distance of this came from somewhere else from, but from- like walking around uh, bigger Vegas. And I, I was recognized multiple times by my voice. Right? That did happen mm-hmm. to me. It yeah. only happened once, but it was such a surreal, it was cool. Don't get me mm-hmm. wrong. And the listener who, where that happened, I was like, I felt bad because I think I came across so surprised by the way the interaction started, which was, I know your voice. And I was like, (laughs) you do? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) But it was a very cool, I just, I feel bad in the moment because I think I had a weird reaction of like, how is this happening? Mm. This is strange. (laughs) Well, for me, it it happened a lot. I was really surprised. Mm. Like three times it happened at the water park. I think you have maybe a more identifiable, you probably talked to a lot more strangers than I did too. Like I didn't, I basically stayed in my own group. At least one of the people at the water park though, turns to like, I recognize your voice. I'm like, I don't think I said anything for the past five minutes. I don't (laughs) know how. I had so many people come up to me and be like, where's Don? I haven't seen Don yet. (laughs) Yeah. It was very, very cool. I think maybe my favorite non-podcast related sort of effect from doing, from going to bigger Vegas was I feel such a degree of comfortability in my life with Michael, Mm. like just as an after effect of being around so many people like us. That's the biggest thing Mm -hmm. about these events. Yeah. It's just so affirming. Yeah. It's so affirming. And it just shows you like the world you live in your head 
of being a chubby chaser or a chub and what the, and, and what, and what paradise that could be. It's like, Oh my God, this could exist. Cause you see it manifest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's just, as you said, it's so affirming. And you, the, the thing is, it's not just the event, you know, you can actually go out and start to create that as you talk to more chasers. If you're a chaser, if you talk to more chubs, if you're a chub, I was so surprised and delighted by the quantity and, and of chasers, both at the live episode and that we like got to talk to before mm-hmm. and after, like it was a big I, proportion of our live audience. Yeah. I think I've said since the beginning, the reason why I decided to actually be on the podcast and not just produce it was that I hoped that I would be able to connect with slash help slash bond with a chaser out there thinking that that would largely not be our audience. Um, but yeah, like we've, well, it was well, maybe 50, 50. Well, because I think we're one of the, we might be the only, I think that might be accurate. We might be the only media source that talks about chub chaser relationships that we acknowledge there's such a thing as a chubby chaser and it's not a horrible bastardized thing that has chasers on the show on mm-hmm. the, well yes and it's not just talking about them as like there's, oh, there's, there's one chaser. just having a guest chaser i think there's a number of yeah. podcasts out there but if i could be wrong but i think they are largely all chubs that do the podcast they're chubs and they're mostly women yeah and and there's a, there's a few other like podcasts similar to ours but i think again they're all chub voices yeah and so and one of the things that I knew from doing the MTV episode, you know, long, long ago now, chasers either are or feel like they're under a rock and they need to like peek out and then they have to go back under that rock. Mm-hmm. Cause if anybody found out mm-hmm. or if they, you know, and that's, what's again, so great about bigger Vegas or just creating your own community is no, it doesn't have to be like that because honestly, that mentality of hiding under a rock, it is toxic. Mm-hmm. It leaks out in your relationships. It leaks out in your relationship with yourself. Mm-hmm. It is so important to be part of something like that. I will say, so looking back at Vegas, I've said this a couple of times to different people. Like, so we all got COVID afterwards. And I think we all had a very realistic point of view on that, which is like, you go to an event like this, you're probably going to get it. Yeah. And, you know, being, having the privilege of being vaccinated and boosted. like. You- well, and can I just say in the old days before COVID, it was common for people to come back from events sick. It was called kennel cough. Yeah. Well, oh, yeah. <laughs> but, and let's just say the difference between COVID and kennel cough, I think is substantial. Like it is, this has the, been a two week long sickness, well, but the spread, the spread and the, the fact that it was a nexus for this, the idea that you would it. come back from an event and you know, might be probably will be ill is, is not a new thing for veterans like sure. Me. But again, COVID two yeah. weeks of sick, like, and so what the point I was building to was that, I had a very good time at the event. I I did it in a way that I kind of needed to, which was very piecemeal mm-hmm. and, you know, have a, a, a bunch of social interaction and then retreat to the room, take a nap usually in the yeah, afternoon. Yeah, absolutely. And mm-hmm. then go back out. And I, I think that really worked for me. I will say if I knew going in that, A, I was going to get COVID afterwards and that for some reason we were not able to do the live episode, or that the podcast was somehow not a part of the event. I don't know that I would do it again, only to point out how important the live episode was to me. Like that was yeah. such mm-hmm. a phenomenal seminal moment because of meeting people who listen to our show and listen to our voices. And I guess I'm trying to express that a lot of people in the room had the sentiment of, I feel like we're friends, even though we'd never met before. Mm-hmm. And I want to say, having done the live episode, I we are friends. Yeah. We, mm-hmm. we love you. Even if you weren't able to make it to the live episode, we 
have a sense of the representation of people who listen yeah. to us, who have expressed basically identical experiences of, you know, I look forward to this every week. And I think we've had a few discussions over the past couple of years about, you know, do we make this easier for ourselves and do it every other week? And I, I've been a pretty strong advocate for every week specifically because, you know, so many people have said, this is the one thing I really, really look forward to. This is kind of a bright point in the middle of a tough mm -hmm. work week, especially with COVID. People creating community. That's what's important. Yeah. And, and that if I, if I sounded maybe a little ungrateful earlier about kind of the weirdness of meeting people who seem to know me, it's only because that was just an initial shock of a cultural, of a, a social interaction that I wasn't used to. Mm -hmm. But <laughs> yeah. after that, like the experience of talking to people and actually getting to know people was phenomenal and I wouldn't trade it for anything. I found out afterwards that there were a fair number of people that were actually like intimidated to come up and say hello to us. Yeah. Which, you know, well, because please for, don't be, well, because for fans, they, they get this, right? I get that. <laughs> well, like, because they, they, they know that they, you feel like a friend to them, but they know that you don't know them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so the protocol for that is, is very weird. And I remember going through this when, when the MTV episode came out and then when the Tyra episode came out, mm. you know, uh, for me, I would be like on the streets of New York. And I remember this one interaction where this guy was, he's on the phone, he's on the phone, he's having this really intense conversation. And he's like, yeah, yeah, okay, okay, okay. Can you hold on just a second? Can you hold on just, yeah, I, I get that. Yeah, I get that. Can you, can you hold on just a second? And he turns to me and says, were you on that show? <laughs> and I go, um, me? He goes, yeah, were you on that show? And I was like, yeah, I guess so. Okay, thanks. Okay, so what I was saying was, and he goes right back into the conversation, but that's all he wanted to know. Yeah, is it you? Um, I, yeah, I, I will say I totally get the idea of like having that hesitance because that's what, so I'm going to out you Don for a little second. Cause after we did the live episode, so I woke up in the morning, I had a, a light breakfast and then I went straight into like setting up the show basically and working with our technician that we had hired to set up all the audio gear, setting up the lighting and, and basically getting the room ready. And then we did the episode. We had a lot of interaction. It was, you know, it's, it was a lot of being very on. And then as we were clearing out for the next event after us, yeah, I think you remember what I'm getting to. The next event was the speed dating mm -hmm. um, that was in the same room after us. And Don was like, I think you maybe should stick around for that. I think you'll love it. It's not, don't think about it like speed dating. It's very much like speed meeting people. I was like, what aspect of speed meeting people do you think I would enjoy? No, I, I get it, Don, because I was tempted to stay too. Like, yeah, yeah, I know, the two, and no. I get it. Like the two extroverts would love that. I was just like, I was so tired by that point. I was, I was like, I just want to take a nap now. No, that's, I want to be not around people. I'm with Michael on that, where that just sounds like the worst thing. Like, especially after... I don't know, performing and then meeting people and mm -hmm. like, it's great, but then you need to not yeah. for a while. Yeah. But the, the <laughs> point that I wanted to make was, you know, at least for me, don't be afraid to come up and say hello. If you happen to spot me in public, I, I, I enjoyed every one of those interactions. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah. I certainly enjoyed all the interactions. I just hit a point where I was like any social interaction, whether with my own friends or with strangers or with podcast fans who I don't consider to be strangers, uh, I, I like Saturday, like Friday was an unbelievably social day. I don't think I had a single moment alone the whole day. Mm -hmm. And so Saturday I crashed hard. I didn't, I think I slept for like six hours in the afternoon. And then I went to bed early that night. Like we barely did anything. I was, I just needed that recovery day and then I was okay. And then I came back Sunday. This is so alien to yeah. me as an extrovert. No, like, I crashed Downtime to me is having an intimate conversation with one person. I can, I can do that. That's I can downtime. do that. The one person thing, the one-on-one -on -one thing is very, it's like a balance of 
intensity of topic. So if it's a very deep or emotional topic, that yeah, can be yeah. draining. But if it's just with one person, that can be sustained over time. But if it's an intensity of topic with many people or just many, many, many people, that's exponentially more draining. And at the end of that Friday, I was just like, I was so done. Yeah. See, the one-on-one -on -one thing, I, I don't remember what day it was, but I know I told you about it where... I had a row of like, it was 10 to 12 one-on-one oh, yeah. -on -one conversations with chasers. It's like most of them were just like people I'd met at events before, but just like going from one place and stopping mm -hmm. 10 to 20 minute conversation, keep going, another conversation, mm -hmm. keep going, another con like, and it was just exhausting. And I was like, I, I was trying to, I was on my way to get water. <laughs> <laughs> And it, and it, like it's two little, hours later, I was yeah, able to get but my that's water. Kind of the, that's kind of the story of your life, sweetie. I mean, yeah. every, every event you talk about how like, I'm just trying to get across oh the God, room. This is something that Dan knows about, but I don't think I told you. Me. So I, yes. <laughs> I, so I sent my mom pictures of like the stage and every, like the stage when it was set up mm -hmm. and then the view of the audience or like partial audience. And I was talking to her after the event and she said, was so the picture of the audience were you in the audience <laughs> and i was like really confused and i was like i i don't think so because i was taking the picture of the audience <laughs> so I don't, and i went to the picture and she's like well i thought i saw you in the picture uh-huh and i went and in the front row there was michael Oh, my Michael. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like and i was with annie and annie said she knew it wasn't you because she said Trevor would never wear a Star Wars shirt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was I wearing his baby Yoda. I thought it kind of looked like you. And I, I mean, I know I haven't seen you in a few years, but I don't know. I thought it kind of looked like you. It was he, from the side, so I couldn't really tell. And I think that the key differentiating factor is that Trevor has uh, dyed hair usually. Yeah. Like either blonde or a color. And Michael has very dark brown hair. So that's to, to Trevor's mom, if you hear this. Well, because to Trevor's mom, Trevor has dark brown hair. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, yeah. Any, any wrap up thoughts for, for the bigger Vegas? I mean, I feel I like mean, we've been talking about this for like three months. I, now. I, what I, I think the success is that I, Michael, you were thinking about like, well, what other events are there? I will. And I will say, I'm not going to Florida. Yeah, I fully, I fully I'm support not going to Florida or Texas I, or Texas. I fully support the fact that there are events there for people who can't make it all the way over to Vegas. Well, and the majority of events, I think all the remaining events on the calendar are in are Texas or in Florida, Texas or Florida. I know. And that's why I say that. And I'm, I'm sorry. That's why I'm looking at you, Europe. I, Do something awesome. <laughs> I don't, I don't. So event makers out there, I know that you, you know, we have to kind of bounce every other year or so, so we don't overlap and step on toes, but I would love to do another event. I'm not going to Florida. I'm not going to Texas. I'm, I'm sorry. I won't do it. So hopefully there's something else and a different option out there. Yep. Um, so I do have a tip. Whee! I have two tips, actually, Two. you win big in Vegas. You get two tips. Yeah. <laughs> um, you rolled all dollar signs. So the first one, uh, Dan and I were able to get an accessible room yes. in Vegas. But. Very lovely. Um, but the shower head uh, for the, the, like the wand uh, really wasn't doing it for me. It was one of those big daisy head handheld mm -hmm. showers, which is, it's great. That's certainly better than a nozzle, in, you know, high on the wall. You can pick it up and you and, can pick it up and yeah. you can take it into all your nooks and crannies, but it's a big daisy, like a sunflower head. And it had a flow restrictor in it. So the water pressure wasn't very high. Sure. But even then, like you can't fit that, like you, you, 
like imagine trying to put a sunflower up your ass. That's not gonna, <laughs> that's really not gonna happen, people. What not are you gonna, guys doing with your shower handles? <laughs> I like to get you know, That's a Patreon mix. video. <laughs> <laughs> you have to talk about kink shaming, Michael. Uh, so, so, so I was able to order from Amazon this little um, shower head wand thing, which is actually a lot, it's like a knockoff version of what we have here at home. And we, it's more cylindrical and thin. It's yeah. It's yes. it's it's like it's kind of like um, I mean, not even a. Microphone. It looks like a flashlight. It looks like about like the size yeah. of a flashlight. without the head, right? Yeah. yeah just so like, it's just the cylinder, like the body of a flashlight, and it has uh, all these little nice holes for the water to come out. Mm-hmm. But it is really great for getting because with the daisy header, sometimes you really and again, this is sort of <laughs> this is very ch- chaser material. But like when you have to lift a huge fold of fat. To get under there, that can be rather cumbersome and you can't get it in as deep as you want. Mm-hmm. But with this, you can really slide it up into the actual fold and get to the bottom mm-hmm. of it. Uh, and and the, the Chuck can actually do this himself. <laughs> yes, we can. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is great because it was like, it took, you know, the experience from like a, I don't know. It was like a seven to a 10. And it's cheap too. It was like, what you said? It was like 10, 15 bucks. Yeah. Something like that. Um, and so they got us one. Yes. As a, as a little bonus gift and that, yeah, like totally agree. Um, and I, it's small enough that you can take with you. So mm-hmm. like totally, totally valuable thing. And again, super light, easy mm-hmm. to travel with like thin, small. Oh, absolutely. No um, more than a pill case. Yeah. 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 Like, but yeah. the other thing that I really thought was ingenious. <laughs> yes. So this actually came from a listener who, um, Sent this in. So it was a travel bidet. Mm-hmm. Oh, what a day for a travel Which, bidet. Yeah. <laughs> so how to describe this in, you know, in our, our, in our audio medium. It looked kind of like a... It was beautifully designed. So imagine an electric toothbrush that has a cylindrical cover that goes all over it. Okay. You take off the cover... You use the cover as the reservoir and screw it onto the bottom. So mm. now you have basically an electric toothbrush that's, oh, that's twice clever. as long. And then there is this arm that is molded to the body of the of the device, and that flips up. Mm. And that is where the water comes out. Yes. That's clever. Um, I would say it was, you know, it was better than not having a bidet. Mm-hmm. It was a little weak, but absolutely yeah. better than nothing. Yeah. Um, I think the, the savages who <laughs> still use toilet paper only. They don't know about the shells. Does anybody I, remember that reference from Demolition Man? Oh, yeah. He doesn't, know how, to, he doesn't know how to use, know the, use shells. the shells. <laughs> <laughs> I think the, the amount of pressure would have been fine if I had unlimited water. Okay. But the fact, like, I found it's like, okay, I'm, I'm using the full reservoir every time. Mm-hmm. I mean, but you know, again, better better than than like compa- I, I have a, I have a bonus. I have a third tip. Oh, third tip. And I say this mostly because Three it's tips. specifically relevant to bigger Vegas. Um, one of our listeners got us a, an assortment of these like, uh, scarves that have these, uh, crystals in them. Um, that oh, yes, I have to- one for you, Don. Yeah. They, you get them wet and then they are like super cooling. And so it's in the Vegas heat where it was oh. routinely 105, 110, uh, degrees outside, even, you know, at nighttime, 90 to 95 degrees, very like cooling. And it also covers you so that you're not going to get burned. That would well. have been nice. Cause like the, the hat was a little uncomfortable for me to wear. And this was the, my first time being out in that much sun with yeah. a shaved head. Yeah. We kind of dropped the ball on, on distributing those. Cause the, the day that we got it was my crash non-social day. And then the day after that, anyway, so yeah. It was a very cool device if you live anywhere or if you're going anywhere that has a lot of heat and sun. Um, 
Yeah, very effective, and it keeps you cool. Is it, is it like a scarf you wear over your head? Yeah, you can wrap, we'll wrap it around your neck, I mm-hmm. would say, and like keep the back of your neck cool, and yeah. Anyway, thank you to to that particular listener, one of the OG. Seriously, thank you for all these lovely gifts that we got. Yeah, yes, I, I love gifts. Between I the toy. I like gifts. gifts. <laughs> all right, what we got today, Don? Well, seeing as how we went to Bigger Vegas... Uh, when I spent time in Vegas, I realized that Bigger Vegas was not the only big thing in Vegas. <laughs> really? There are a lot of really big things in Vegas. In fact, some true. of them are the biggest things in the world. Like what, Try Don? traversing the fucking casino that we went through. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. That's a story for another time. So in this game, I'm going to be giving you hints as to what the answer is. Mm-hmm. All right? I love so after, e- after each hint, you have to let me finish the hint I'm giving, then buzz in. We don't have dart guns. I, there's a well, problem. Buzzers are this. better. Buzzers are no, better. dart guns are better. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The Bellagio is world famous for its choreographed dancing water fountains in front of the hotel, mm-hmm. but they may not be the Bellagio's most noteworthy. What type of fountain does the Bellagio hold a world record for? Mm-hmm. One, don't mix with water. Oh. Two, buzz. Michael. Um, like a, 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 a super large, like chocolate fondue. That is correct. Famous for the world's largest chocolate fountain. I got one. Um, which I really regret not seeing now. It's uh, part of a uh, Jean-Philippe patisserie. Uh, it has nearly two tons of white milk and dark chocolate yeah. in, a, uh, in an enclosure that has uh, 25 handcrafted artistic glass vessels. The chocolate rises 27 feet. From the lowest Jesus. level pump uh, and six ceiling spouts disperse chocolate 14 feet above the floor. Oh my God. <laughs> How do they, what do they do about the splash? I don't know, but I would totally go full Augustus Gloop in this thing. Oh yeah. I just, totally. like, just dive. Dive my ass <laughs> in there. Of course, ah. geez, I want to save some for later, Liebchen. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, the Golden Nugget, one of the grand old casinos of the Strip, mm. is famously proud of its most treasured possession. What largest thing in the world is the golden nugget famous for? One. <laughs> Not an animal or a mineral. Or, Hold excuse on. Me. I want to know what Trevor was thinking. <laughs> I've told what I'm thinking. These are always the first, worth hearing. No, the first thing that popped into my head was nipples. <laughs> <laughs> okay, not what I was thinking. <laughs> All right, first hint. Not an animal or vegetable. Buzz. Okay. Trevor? The world's largest gold nugget. That is correct. Ah. <laughs> I was thinking that, but then I remember there was a Futurama episode that said that Lucy Liu owned the world's largest gold nugget. And I don't know if they were joking about that or if that was real. I don't know. There apparently have been two larger golden nuggets found in the world, but both of them were melted down. So oh. this is the largest naturally occurring golden nugget. The Cosmopolitan Hotel is a magnificent site. Known for its breathtaking lights and its crystal-studded lobby, it's also notable for the world's largest what? One, if you've got one at all, it'll probably be in the dining room. Two, sing. Buzz. Sing my angel of music. Dan. Harp? No. Nope. I was going to say candelabra, but then they said music, and they changed it. Buzz. Trevor. Chandelier? That is correct. That is a sing, sing my angel of music from Phantom of the Opera, famous for dropping a chandelier on its audience. Yeah. Designed to be the main attraction at the Cosmopolitan Hotel, the chandelier is both beautiful and record-breaking. It consists of more than two million crystal beads. Jesus. Each bead is handmade in octagon shape to resist showing signs of wear in the long term. Uh, And the chandelier is 65 feet tall and surrounds a 10,000 square foot area, inside of which there are three bars 
and a partially see-through staircase. Oh, I, holy crap. I do remember this because it, it descends many stories. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Mm-hmm. All right, boys. To wrap things up, we've got a final. Wait, it's a three-way tie. It's so a multiple a choice one. This one's a multiple I didn't choice. Get one. Didn't you just get the chandelier? No, that was no I did. Oh, Trevor did. Damn it. Trevor's ahead. All right. Which of the following was not built in Las Vegas? Okay. One, the world's largest fire-breathing praying mantis. <laughs> Two, the world's largest moonwalking Michael Jackson robot. Oh, my God. Three, the world's largest mug of root beer. Or four, the world's largest functioning fire hydrant. Buzz. Buzz. Well, I guess we're just all guessing. Yeah, everyone gets a guess on this I'm guessing one. the root beer. I'm guessing the root beer, too. We got two root beers. I'm guessing Michael Jackson because they didn't actually build that. That was something they were going to build, and it was going to wander the desert so people oh, would, like, see it on the way to Vegas. <laughs> what? And that is the correct answer. <laughs> oh, my God. The world's largest fire hydrant and uh, fire-breathing praying mantis are actually in the same place. You can go and see both at the same oh, time. Oh, that's convenient. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, the world's largest mug of root beer was originally the world's largest pint mug of beer, but it has been rebranded. Mm. Um, and the world's largest moonwalking Michael Jackson robot was supposed to coincide with a residency that Michael Jackson was going to do in Vegas. And it was literally going to be a gigantic robot that just aimlessly wandered the desert, moonwalking. Oh, and was it also going to like show. shoot fire out of its eyes or something? I think there were lasers involved. Yes. But um, <sighs> just like the real Michael Jackson. I'm t- <laughs> <laughs> we lost so much when he died. <laughs> <laughs> That would be terrified. <laughs> Imagine oh like you don't know about this and oh you're, just, you're going cross country and you just see a giant robot Michael Jackson. I mean, moonwalking through the calling desert. back to Bender from the beginning Whoop. of the episode. Kill all humans. <laughs> Has anybody ever saw the whiz? Like, oh, uh, sure. Mm. Uh, Richard Pryor's fire breathing metallic head. Oh, that's right. Like, I'm just picturing Michael Jackson's metallic head breathing fire as it rampages through the, the Vegas desert. <laughs> my Catholic school uh, did an all white production of The Wiz. Oh, my God. Oh, my Jesus Christ. Yeah. Well, He's on down the road to Christ. No. <laughs> no. It was like they wanted to do the, it was like they wanted to do the Wizard of Oz, but they did the Wiz and everyone was white. Why didn't they just do the Wizard of Oz? Everyone's white. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Cause it was, it was, I was in first grade. It was the eighth grade place. So this was probably like 1995 or something. It oh, so a, it was okay back then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, listener, if you can, if you can tell us why <laughs> Trevor's uh, elementary school, Catholic school did the Wiz all white, let us know at... <laughs> <laughs> oh boy <Come> on. <laughs> I mean we know it's it's because they're it's white nonsense <laughs> tell us about it at we're at big fat gay pod on twitter and instagram we're on facebook as the big fat gay podcast five stars there five stars on apple podcast leave us a review yeah support us on patreon big fat gay pod Patreon everywhere. We use it to pay our editor. See the articles we talked about at www.bigfatgaypod.com. <sighs> well, maybe you're uh, you're enjoying a cough drop on your, your drive home from Bigger Vegas. <laughs> I you, know I was. Yeah. And uh, you see something in the distance. It's moonwalking its way towards you. Oh God! It's Robot Michael Jackson, <laughs> and he's uh, he he found out that you know me. 
and that, that you, uh, you're associated to the all-white production of The Wiz. Oh, no. So, uh, Watch out. Should leave these coughs in at the no. <laughs> over the music. <laughs>